You're listening to the Jesus for Everyone podcast, a podcast where we talk about the intersection of faith and social justice and what a first century Jewish prophet of the poor from Galilee offers us today in our work of love, compassion, and justice. To support this podcast, go to renewedheartministries.com and click donate. Many of us forget that no matter how much we may strive for individual self-reliance and independence, we are still connected to one another. We are part of one another. And, and we cannot escape the fact that we are, in reality, truly dependent on one another. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of the Jesus for Everyone podcast. My name is Herb Montgomery, and this is episode 425. Our title this week is The Gospel of Interdependence, and our reading is from the Gospel of Luke. This is Luke 10, 1 through 11, and then verses 16 through 20. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or a bag or sandals, and do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Stay there, eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you, heal the sick who are there, and tell them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But when you enter a town and you're not welcomed, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town we wipe from our feet as a warning to you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come near. Whoever listens to you listens to me. Whoever rejects you rejects me, but whoever rejects me rejects him who sent me. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample over snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. So this week's passage is the second time in Luke's version of the Jesus story that Jesus instructs those that he sends out. The first one is in Luke 9, 1 through 6. And earlier, they were instructed to take no staff, no bag, no bread, no money and no extra shirt. They, and, and here, they're instructed to not take a purse or, or any money, a bag, or even an extra pair of shoes. Now, Mark and Matthew's lists, they complicate the instructions. And in, in, in Mark 6, the instructions were to take a staff, but no food, no bag, and no money. You could wear sandals, but not take an extra shirt. In Matthew, Matthew 10, the instructions were to take no money, no bag, no extra shirt, no extra sandals, uh, no staff. And, and there were clearly, there was some, you can see from all these comparisons, there was clearly some disagreement among early Christians about what exactly Jesus' instructions were. And the question we have to ask ourselves today is what can we glean, if anything, from these various lists? 
I appreciate the the insights of Stephen Patterson on this passage. This is from his book, The Lost Way, How Two Forgotten Gospels Are Rewriting the Story of Christian Origins, page 74 through 75. He writes, what does it actually mean for the empire of God to come? It begins with a knock at the door. On the stoop stand two itinerant beggars with no purse, no knapsack, no shoes, no staff. They are so ill-equipped that they must cast their fate before the feet of a would-be host. These Q folk, and remember those are those who followed the sayings of Jesus in the early uh, first century, are sort of like ancient cynics, but their goal is not uh, the cynic goal of self-sufficiency. These itinerants are set only for dependency. To survive, they must reach out to other human beings. They offer them peace, and this is how the empire arrives. And if their peace is accepted, they eat and drink, and this is how the empire of God is consummated in table fellowship. So these itinerant workers, they were to be characterized by dependence, not independence. In the U.S. today, we live in a hyper-individualistic culture where we are subjected daily to the philosophy of independence and self-sufficiency, and many of us forget that no matter how much we may strive, for individual self-reliance and independence, we are still connected to one another. We are part of one another. And, and we cannot escape the fact that we are, in reality, truly dependent on one another. And the COVID-19 pandemic is just the most recent example where uh, independence and interdependence were brought into stark contrast. While many were crying out about personal freedoms and individual rights, others focused on the safety of others and society's common good, and not unnecessarily uh, risking communities' exposure to a very lethal infection. And I'm thankful for the masks, for the vaccines, for the boosters, and, and for other treatments that have helped reduce infections and deaths from COVID since 2020. But through each of these years, we have seen this conflict between those who don't want anyone telling them what to do and those who realize that society's well-being and safety, it requires each of us to keep one another safe. Regardless of which version we read, Jesus' instructions to his followers, they all emphasize dependence on those that they were going out to serve rather than independence from them. Now, contrast this with Paul's teachings, and this is one of the differences that scholars recognize between Jesus and Paul. In 1 Corinthians 9, 1 through 6 and verse 12, we read, Am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? Are you not the result of my work in the Lord, even though I may not be an apostle to others? Surely I am to you, for you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. This is my defense to those 
those who sit in judgment on me. Don't we have the right to food and drink? Don't we have the right to take a believing wife along with us, as do other apostles and the Lord's brothers and Cephas? Or is it only I and Barnabas who lack the right to not work for a living? If others have this right of support from you, shouldn't we have it all the more? But we did not use this right. On the contrary, we put up with anything rather than hinder the gospel of Christ. So Paul, as a tent maker, he could be highly independent from those he sought to serve. And in some circumstances, that might be commendable. But given our cultural philosophy, I find Jesus's instructions much more life-giving than Paul's practice. And we deeply need to reconnect with the reality that we are once again part of, of one another. Either we survive and thrive together, or we don't survive or thrive, period. I love how Reverend Dr. Jackie Lewis of, of Middle Church expresses it. She says it this way, if there is such a thing as salvation, we are not saved till everyone is saved. It reminds me of a joke one of my daughters used to tell when she was younger. Communist jokes aren't funny unless everybody gets it. So Stephen Patterson, he shares another insight that I'd like to draw your attention to uh, in the context of this week's reading. And this is from the same book, and this is page 74 and 75. He continues, the empire comes when someone receives food from another, when something is offered in return, care for the sick. The empire of God here involves an exchange, food for care. This warrants pause, food for care. In the ancient world, those who lived on the margins of peasant life were never far from death's door. In the struggle to survive, food was their friend, sickness their enemy. Each day, subsistence peasants earn enough to eat for a day. Each day, they awaken with the question, will I earn enough to eat today? This is quickly followed by a second will I get sick today? If I get sick, I won't eat. If I don't eat, I'll get sicker. With each passing day, the spiral of starvation and sickness becomes deeper and deeper and finally deadly. John Dominic Crossan has argued that this little snippet of the ancient tradition is critical to understanding why the followers of Jesus and the empire of God were compelling to the marginalized peasants who were drawn to it. Eat what is set before you and care for the sick. Here is the beginning of a program of shared resources of the most basic sort, food and care. It's an exchange. If some have food, all will eat. If any get sick, someone who eats will be there to take care of them. The empire of God was a way to survive, which is to say salvation. We should remember uh, the, the, the social location that many of the early Jesus followers lived in. For them, the gospel of interdependence and depending on one another and creating these kinds of relationships was not only life-giving, it was also life-saving. They had been pushed to the undersides and margins of their communities. So the gospel for them, it wasn't about how they could escape post-mortem danger, but about how they might practically survive in this life despite oppression as they work toward a, a world of, of liberation and of, of uh, safety and compassion and, and justice for all. 
And this makes me pause, given the the opposite emphasis in the culture that we live in here in the U.S. What might the teachings of mutual aid or resource sharing or exchange found in the moral philosophy of Jesus in the Gospels be saying to us today? How are we still connected, still part of one another, and how else do individual freedoms and community well-being, how do those stand in conflict in, in political debates today about the kind of society or communities we want to live in? And, and how might passages like this week's inform Jesus followers today as we apply Jesus' social teachings in our own context? There's a lot to ponder this week. And, and I love uh, when something in the Jesus story calls us to reassess the social waters that we swim in. I love how this week's saying encourages interdependence rather than independence. So so the question is, what is this week's passage saying to you this week? Heart Group Application, share something that spoke to you from this week's e-site or podcast episode with your heart group. Number two, in what ways does this week's story call you to lean into our interdependence, either in our larger secular society or in your more local faith community? Discuss that with your group. And then number three, what can you do this week, big or small, to continue setting in motion the work of shaping our world into a safe, compassionate, just home for everyone? Thanks for checking in with us today, right where you are. Keep living in love, choosing compassion, taking action, and working toward justice. I love each of you dearly. I'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.